are live from the empire of lies. This is a show that brings you the truth, open debate, and a variety of opinions. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. Well, it's a Friday, Rod, so we made it. How you doing? I'm doing well, Lee. Uh, thank God I can't complain. How about yourself? I'm doing well. So yesterday, we had a great show. Mark Sabora and Wyatt Reed in the first hour. And if you missed that, I really suggest you go back and check it out. It was a great hour. But during that uh, discussion, we Wyatt talked about how the Ukrainians have a technique that they do. They'll launch a shell, for instance, at his hotel. And they'll launch one shell, and then they'll do what I've heard described as a double tap. The double tap is they launch a shell, okay? And then when the first responders show up, they launch another one. You remember that, Rod? Correct, yeah. And that double tap, I've heard about before. Do you know who does that? Mm, I want to say that it was it one of that part of the white helmets as well. No, Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda did that all the time. They would launch an attack and then they wait for the firemen or police to show up to help people, and then they launch another attack. Does that make sense? Correct. Yeah. So what I'm saying today is double tap Tyler, right? Because we had Tyler Nixon on yesterday. And we love having him on. But if you squishes and uh, maniacal Democratic liberals thought you were done with Tyler Nixon, you've got another thing coming because we've launched a double tap. Tyler Nixon is our guest in the first hour. And is he going to be co-hosting, Rod? Correct. Also correct. Okay. So, and he's our co-host today. And in the second hour, we're going to have a great segment with Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, and Tyler. That's sure, sure to be fiery. Do you agree, Rod? Definitely, especially with this new um, this new evidence of uh, the Democrats had video cameras following them on January 6th. Yes. There's so much, you know, the mainstream media is talking about, well, well, let's get to the boom, then I'll talk about it. And we're taking your phone calls at 202-521-1320. Rod, do you remember the name of the show offhand? You listen to the best show on the radio, The Backstory. Well done, Rod. So while I was listening to mainstream media today, every story in the mainstream media is about the January 6th committee wrapping up their investigation. I'm going to offer my help to Benny and Liz and the rest of our friends on the January 6th committee. Okay, Rod, should I help them? I'm going to help them. I wouldn't want you to, but go ahead, Lee. No, I think you'll like this. I want you to know what you're looking for is you're looking for someone who actually urged people to get inside the Capitol multiple times. And before January 6th, and Rod, I think we can help the committee find that person. They have not found that person yet, but let's help them. Rod, what's the name of that person? I think his name's uh, Ray, Ray uh, Epps. Ray Epps is exactly right, Rod. How come you know that and the committee doesn't? 
I'm not getting paid to not know it. That, that's a good good point. <laughs> that's a very good point, Rod. Because it is the most obvious thing. We played the evidence. It's the most obvious thing in the world. And they're saying they're wrapping up. And it's a mystery how this thing unfolded. But let me say this also. And none of the FBI stuff we've reported on lately has anything to do with January 6th. But when, when we find out the FBI was trying to pay Christopher Steele a million dollars to corroborate info that he couldn't corroborate on the Russiagate, and you find out all the stuff the FBI was up to, does that make you more or less suspicious that the FBI would have launched an agent provocateur false flag attack using January 6th, Rod? You see what I'm asking? Yeah, even though it's not connected, you know, does it add to it? Yeah, 100 percent, Lee, 100 percent. And, and, you know, this video, this new video evidence that came out today, you know, uh, I saw a video of Chuck Schumer. He looks into the camera and then he looks at his phone. And he's like, this effing Trump. You don't you know, you know, these guys don't talk like that. Why would you talk like that? If You know what I mean? It's because, you know, this, that they want this footage to get out there. Yeah. I, I, did, did he say the F word? No, no, he said effing. That's what I'm saying. He said, that's funny. That that is funny. But uh, I would say that the out the evidence is obvious. Now, the FBI was trying to destroy Trump, right? The FBI was on a mission. And I'm not saying the entire FBI, but obviously parts of it were on a mission to destroy Trump. And being an agent provocateur, at January 6th and setting up something would be par for the course if I can use a little golf lingo. Uh, but right, you see, Rod, what I'm saying is it's more evidence that there is an a plot by certain members of the FBI to make MAGA look bad. And what better way to do it than to plant an agent provocateur January 6th? And I believe his name is Ray Epps. And I believe there's plenty of evidence. Liz Cheney was saying, well, you know, they're saying stuff like the Secret Service had evidence that people were planning a violent attack on the Capitol on January 6th, prior to January 6th. Have you heard that, Rod? Yeah, I have heard that from her. Yeah, I've heard it from her. But what she offers is evidence. And tell me if you can figure out the game she's playing here. She offers text messages from the FBI. I'm sorry, from the Secret Service. F Secret Service text. And she says that proves it. But if you were really trying to prove that, what would you offer text from? Somewhere, some, some people within Trump's orbit, at least, you know. Or, or some people pl plotting, you know. Joe or whatever saying, let's have a violent overthrow of the government this January 6th. You'd offer evidence from the people themselves, not the FBI or the Secret Service. Does that make sense? Because I, I keep saying FBI incorrectly. She, Liz Cheney said she had evidence from the Secret Service. No, you have evidence that the Secret Service was talking about that, not that there was a plot. Does that make sense, Rod? Right, yeah, she's playing the word game there, yeah. 
Yeah. Now, sh- should I say, maybe, maybe I should play it twice because it's so fun. I'm trying to figure out whether I should save the Roger Stone clip for when Tyler Nixon's on or play it now. What do you think, Rod? I think we could play it twice. Yeah, I, yeah, because it's a lot of fun. As I say, I've hung out with, with Roger Stone. I consider him a friend. And you've hung out with Roger Stone as strip club Rod, right? That's correct. That's correct. So you win. You're cooler than me, officially, because I've never hung out at a strip club. No, no, Roger's, oh. cool, Roger's cooler than me, all the... Uh... All the uh, the ladies got more uh, hype when he came, so he's cooler than me. My girlfriend Danny and I went to a local strip club the other night, but we did not have Roger Stone with us. We did have a lot of fun. And actually, strip clubs in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, are somewhat wholesome. They have pasties on the girls. So, and I've talked to the girls about that. Uh, apparently, the idea is we will not know they have nipples. Do you understand the idea behind pasties at all, Rod? Be honest. No, they do it in Virginia too, and I didn't. You know, I'm not used to that. My first time in a strip club, I saw the whole, the whole thing, the whole shebang. The whole Magilla. Did do they do that? You went to college in Minnesota. Did by chance did a young student Rod ever go to a strip club in Minnesota? No, no, no. My first time in strip club was in Philly. But I didn't get to go to the strip club. Um, we, we were barred. That's when, uh, if you remember, Girls Gone Wild was at a, at a local bar. And uh, every all the football players were barred from going. Because <laughs> they didn't want you finding any wild girls. Was that the idea? <laughs> I guess so. Something like, or, you know, ended up on video doing something that might make the school look bad. Did you ultimately find any wild girls in Minnesota, Rod? You don't oh, have yeah. to give details, Tons just, you know. Tons of them. They hang out at the Mall of America, too. Uh, I think I set a record for getting numbers at the Mall of America, so yeah. I try to leave room for people like Jason Goodman to brag about his Ukrainian gymnast wife, right? Because he was a little resident to brag about that. And I want you to brag about the numbers you got at the Mall of America. So go ahead, Rod. Yeah, it was nine. It was a, it was about, I was there, We were there about four hours. I got about nine numbers. That's great. So anyway, the strip clubs here are rather wholesome. But I invite Roger Stone. Oh, remember remember I mentioned something about Scott Ritter and Dusty Johnson, the congressman from here in South Dakota? Remember I mentioned that a friend of mine ran into Dusty, Congressman Dusty, and he said, you should get Scott Ritter to talk to you. Well, my friend talked to Scott Ritter, and guess what? where Scott Ritter might be going. South Dakota. South Dakota. How fantastic would that be to get Scott Ritter out here in South Dakota for a couple of days? No, that would be great. And obviously to uh, for more people in South Dakota to hear from Scott as well. And you know if Scott comes out, I'll, I have a, a second microphone. We'll get Scott on the show live. Will that be great? Definitely, definitely. So let's play this as a clip that was recently released by the January 6th committee. And it's supposed to make Roger Stone look bad, right? The idea is that make Roger Stone look bad. But I think you and our audience will agree 
Roger Stone's not saying anything that I think makes him look bad. Were you offended by what, what Roger Stone said, Rod? Uh, no, I found it funny. So let's play the clip. Hit it. Oscar has an IQ of 70. He's coming to Miami. We will eject him from Miami very quickly. He'll be leaving very quickly. He has 100 security guards. I'll have 5,000 security guards. You want to fight? Let's fight. F*** you. F*** you and your abortionist bitch daughter. Now, that's him talking about Jared Kushner. How awesome is that? And also, how did he, who is he referring to, do you think, as the abortionist bitch, Rod? I think he's talking about Ivanka. And anything you disagree with there? No, um, Jared's not liked. Uh, Kanye definitely put him on blast. Uh, Jared is the antithesis of MAGA uh, or, or America first. And Ivanka's not too far behind him, so they're not liked in, in any of those circles. And, and the reason I like Roger is he's blunt and pretty funny. He was, I was, you know, when he was saying something like, you want to fight, let's fight. He doesn't mean actually fight. He means... I'm not afraid of a battle. And is that true about Roger Stone? Oh, yeah, for sure. He's definitely not afraid of a fight. But I'd, I've actually, I'd actually put some money down that he would uh, be able to physically take on Jared. He, he looks like a uh, spoiled kid who's never been in a fight in his life. Yes. And uh, should, should I ask Tyler who would win in a fight, Roger Stone or Jared Kushner? Uh, if you like, you know, but I think you know the answer. I think you know the answer he's going to give. Yes. And it would be funny to see, oh, by the way, a lot of Democrats would like to see that fight because Democrats don't exactly like Jared. Have you noticed that? Democrats hate him too because they think he is MAGA. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird position, Jared, because he's also protected but not liked by the by the leftists in the media, so it's weird. I, I agree. So we'll we'll see. And we got Todd Nixon coming up this hour to talk about that. What else is going on in the news? Well, I think, you know, the big headline, there's nothing to say about. Did you hear about the 15-year-old in Raleigh, North Carolina, who killed five people, including two off-duty cops? Yeah, Lee, um, you know, I'm from Philly, and these these news, they keep flooding the airways, um, 14 year old, 15 year old, 13 year old, uh, these kids are out of control and you know, we can only blame them so much as their parents or whoever their guardians are. You know, do you know where your child is? Do you know where your child's carrying a gun? Um, and, and things like that. So we can only put so much blame on these young people. You know, they're, they're all going home somewhere. And there's something weird about this. They said he was critically injured, but in the press conference, the police did. They did not point out why. That's a little weird. Now, the other thing, it's a couple of days old, but we did not talk about it. So let me bring up now. Did you see what happened? Speaking of school shootings in Uvalde, Texas, where the children were killed by gunmen who entered the school. And as 300 cops or something like that went into the school building and none of them went into where the shooter was. So did you see what happened in Uvalde, Rod? Yeah, the entire uh, police force got uh, excused or, uh, you know, fired pretty much. Yeah, the entire police force, 
And I think that's right in this case. Do you? Um, yeah, but I was also reading that the people in Ovalde were upset with that, which is so weird. So I don't, I don't know if I read that wrong, or but I, I, I think I did read that, So which would be kind of weird. I mean, everyone's, a lot of people have seen that video where they're all just standing there. Yes. And, and they may know a cop on the force who is saying, I would have liked to have gone in, but I was held back. And, you know, they may know him from around town. And I'm sure people were held back, right? Some of the cops obviously wanted to go in, and they were kept from going in by their superior officers. And I use that term loosely. But the people may think that it's unfair to fire a cop who wanted to go in but was ordered not to. And that's a point I actually agree with. But it's easier for the Uvalde force to fire everybody. And, uh, well, what do you think about that, Rod? Yeah, you know, the poop ro- runs downhill, Lee. So we're just seeing the, you know, the pawns of this getting in trouble, but not the head, you know, not the head, not the head of the rotten fish. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly right. It's, in a sense, a way to protect the people in power. But... I just thought we mentioned that because it was outrageous and uh, that no cops went into that. And it shows, I think, a lot of people on the right's concerned about the police, not the woke stuff, but people on the right. You know, I've said this before. People on the left, Democrats, often they'll propose something and they never mention any downsides to it. And I'll talk to Jim Hoft about this later. Have you noticed all stuff coming out lately about the vaccine? It's- oh, oh, yeah, Lee, I've been following it ever since it's been administered. Um, yeah, and then there's another thing that's coming, and you'll see it, I say, within a couple of months. It's sterilization. A lot of people have fertility problems. A lot of women have fertility problems. So uh, that's coming down to Pike as well. And I'm I'm seeing lots of under sub-reporting about it. The mainstream media is not covering it, but I'm seeing every alternative news source, like Gateway Pundit, are covering this stuff. And so much stuff is coming out, slowly but surely, about, you know, and I'll tell you who I think this could hurt, all the stuff coming out about the vaccine, is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is still not on the right side of that issue. And Donald Trump is still bragging about his Operation Warp Speed. And I think long term, that's a bad move for Trump. What do you think, Rod? Yeah, he's 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 in a really bad position, Lee, um, because they are going to lay this on his lap. And, you know, they're going to say, you know, Biden's just a, a doddering fool. And um, he's going to. Yeah. Rod seems to have gone silent. Did Rod drop? No, I'm sorry. The, yeah, it was the okay. mute button. Yeah, okay. yeah, I heard no, doddering fool. The last <laughs> yeah. thing I heard was doddering fool. Yeah, they're just going to say Biden's an old doddering fool. Now, you know, even the New York Times is saying he's uh, got folksiness. You know, uh, so he's for, he makes up stories and all this stuff. Talking about Biden now. And so they're going to drop this vaccine thing on Trump and the economy and everything else. So, you know, he's kind of he's left America in a bad position doing that whole warp speed. And he's going to try and pick up and try and forget about it. But uh, it's impossible. And all Trump has to say to be forgiven by his base is I was given bad advice by Fauci, right? If he blamed 
his advisors because everybody knows Trump's not a doctor. So I think we- he was I think he was given bad advice. What do you think, Rod? Well, yeah, Kushner put in his book that he was the one who was, uh, you know, telling Trump to go push for more ventilators. What did Jared Kushner know about ventilation and the need for ventilation um, and incubation? He had zero, and he had Trump out there. And you saw Trump only said it, I think he only said it one, maybe one or two times, and then after that he never said ventilator again uh, because he probably, so he, so at, at times he knew he, he was messing up by following his advisors like Jared Kushner. Right. And I I think if he said that, if Trump came out and said, I was ill-advised and I didn't know any of this stuff was going on, which I believe, I believe Trump didn't know any of this stuff was going on and he was ill-advised. I believe everyone in his base would say, we accept that. Okay, no argument there. Fauci's a bad guy. That's the way for Trump to get out of this politically. And it's very clear, but for some reason, Trump's not doing it. And I think, like many things with Trump, the reason he's not doing it is he's actually proud of the vaccine thing. And he's maybe not seeing all the news about the scandals. Some people are saying this is going to, what's the deal with the, the vaccines apparently have produced heart attacks. This is what the Surgeon General of the great state of Florida was kicked off social media briefly for saying, right? They found that young people were who were given the vaccine were dying of heart attacks, right? Rod, go, go ahead. Yeah, specifically young men, because you're not really hearing about it too much with women. So if you see it's a two, two-sided coin, uh, you're hearing a lot of... Um, menstrual problems with women and like i said sterilization or fertility uh not being able to carry out a uh, pregnancy and on the other side for men you're having a lot of strokes heart attacks uh you know i think in this i think just this weekly we've had a couple high school football players die at practice uh one of the phillies uh pitchers who was picked up in the farm system 20 years old uh in 2020 of april they're not saying it but i'm you know, I'm uh, alleging that he took the vaccine and then two years and then within that time he developed cancer and died. So, you know, in 18, by the time he's 20, he developed cancer and boom, he's dead. Uh, didn't even get to play. Didn't even get to throw his first pitch yet. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi's out there saying the Democrats are going to hold Congress and the Senate. Do you think she's setting herself up for a fall here, Rod? Um, in a way, I think Nancy's ready to go, Lee. Um uh, you know, I think she's just saying whatever. Um, I think she, I think they all see it, and you know, with the economy the way it is, they, they're. I think they, in a, in a way, they would happy to hand it off and be like, here, we'll just let the Republicans deal with this. Right, that makes some sense to me. But also, we had new inflation numbers this, this week. I believe yesterday. Now, what's interesting about them is the way Biden's inept lying about them. He tried to make them out to be good. Right, Rod? You saw that. Biden was up there going, our numbers are actually pretty good. But the inflation numbers are not pretty good. You saw that where at like 8.25 percentage. Yeah, he said it went up just a teeny bit. That's what he was saying. And then uh, yesterday he was in California saying the gas has always been $7. <laughs> yeah. No, what's that about? 
Lee, just, you know, just an old man who's, you know, a tired old man. I mean, can you imagine almost being 80, flying all over the country all the time? Yes. Now, and we'll talk about some of those campaign stops because it is heating up. And it's also heating up. And we'll talk to Jim Hofter about this in the Republican governor's races. Are you seeing that? Republicans seem to have a real focus this year, not just on winning a House and the Senate, but winning a majority of governor's races. Have you been noticing that, Rod? Yeah, uh, I know the media wants to say the Pennsylvania one's out of reach, but um, this guy, Doug Mastorino, he's hitting the Democrats hard on their uh, child abuse education. You know, this this weird gender, what do you, what do you call it, Lee? gender confusion or whatever. Um, Dysphoria? Yeah, that the Democrats are pushing in schools, and he has a new commercial out in the uh, the media in uh, Philadelphia, like as I can say, are trying. I don't even know how to explain it because they're trying to say that it's bad that he's talking about it. You know what I mean? Now, so are you ready to make a bold prediction on the Pennsylvania Senate race, Rod? Do you think Fetterman is going to win or lose? Beat Doctor Oz or not? No, I think Dr. Oz is going to win. Uh, I think Fetterman is just a, an embarrassment in every way. Um, yeah, no, I think I think Dr. Oz is going to win. It's increasingly looking like that. Now, I, I think he'll be a better senator than he will a candidate. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think he'll do much innovative, but I just think he'll go along with the GOP party line on stuff. But that's one more GOP vote in the Senate, one more vote for impeachment. Now, what's going to be interesting is when the Republicans take the House in November, they're going to impeach Biden. And let's see if they can make a case that any Democrats, let's see if any Democratic senators start to throw Biden under the bus and come out like maybe I'll vote for impeachment, especially on the obvious stuff about the corruption. But if they see Biden as hurting the party, I think their loyalty to the party will outweigh their loyalty to Biden. What do you think about that, Rod? Oh yeah, for sure. They'll, they'll definitely throw Joe Biden on the bus within a second. Now I'm not saying the Republicans will have the votes for impeachment. I don't think they will. Just the math. The math is very bad for them. But they will, I think, get some significant defections from Democratic senators. That's why I'm anticipating. But it should be a very interesting uh, January and February. Does that make sense, Ron? Oh, now, for sure, Lee. This, um, you know, uh, I was watching baseball and they were talking about the election. Like I said, basketball stopping and the NBA is not going to have any basketball games on Election Day. Um, so, you know, things that weren't usually about politics are about politics. So, no, yeah, I definitely think it's going to get uh, going to get real hot. And also, you, you kept me informed about a story that's breaking. I'm going to have you explain it a little bit because I put on football last night and, for, you know, Danny likes football. So I put football on and it was the Thursday night game was the uh, I forget who they're playing. But it was the it was Commanders. The, uh, yeah, I still call them the Redskins, but um, the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. Right, the Bears and the Commanders. It's the Bears I couldn't think of for a second. Because, 
you know, they didn't. A lot of these teams, I saw the Cowboys playing, and they were in bright orange uniforms. Have you seen? Have you seen that, Rod? Uh, bright orange Cowboys? No, I never seen that. Um, I well, you maybe my color perception is off. Yeah, but the, the, the Bears were bright orange yesterday. Yeah. Then that's why I saw. What is with bright orange? Are they going to be picking up garbage by the side of the road? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't like that color, but uh, that is their uh, alternate color. Well, that that's the color for picking up garbage by the side of the road, right? Yeah, that is the color. Yeah, the jail, the jail outfit. Jailhouse. So you you'll tell us about that I, I, again. I don't, I don't like the commander's name either, but there's stuff with the commander's owner that you'll tell us about next hour, right, Ron? Yeah, I'll tell you about it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the story you're tracking. And I'll tell you who I put on that, my girlfriend, Danny. I've said, Danny, you're going to be the expert on this because, you know, it's football, so I don't understand it. But let's take a short break. The great Tyler Nixon on a double tap Tyler Friday on The Backstory. Back on the backstory and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. Joining us now, a great guest on the show and a good friend of the show and a great guy to talk to, Tyler Nixon. And is a double tap Tyler weekend here on the backstory. Hey, Tyler, how you doing? Hey, Lee. How are you? Happy Friday. I'm great. Happy Friday to you. So we're going to play. You saw the January 6th committee is wrapping up their debacle, right, Tyler? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, and they had to take their little parting shot, ridiculous parting shot. Um, what, a, what a scam and what a sham. Well, so I, we played this before, but they released previously unreleased video of Roger Stone, your friend and mine. And Roger Stone, this is an attempt to make Roger Stone look bad, right? Of course. But I don't think it had that effect. It made me like Roger more. And I think a lot of the Trump base, Roger Stone saying Jared Kushner is an IQ of 70, I don't think that's going to go over badly. Do do you think this is a miscalculation on the Democrats' part that this might Hurt Roger's reputation? No, I don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I don't think Jared Kushner is, is is well thought of on either side of the aisle, no matter what the uh, you know what propaganda you hear. And um, exactly right. You know, it's, uh, the Democrats are just. I mean, this is just ridiculous. And the fact of like, what what does that have to do with his allegedly uh, their, their with their larger conspiracy theory about him? is planning some sort of or being involved in planning some insurrection. What does that ha- what does it have to do with it? So it's just malicious. It's just an attempt to I mean it just shows with cheap partisan uh uh you know defamation artists and and uh insinuators that the Democrats are. This is just a big ex- a, you know a big dressed up exercise in smearing your opponents. The person who it might hurt Roger with the most and I think the purpose of it is with Donald Trump, right? 
do you agree that the person who's most defensive of Jared and Ivanka is Trump himself? Yeah, but even then, I mean, yeah, if anybody were to be offended by that, it would be Trump. But I sincerely doubt. I think I think, uh, you know, as much as defensive as he is of them, he understands that. I mean, uh, Trump's pretty sophisticated, regardless of the propaganda, the left trials. I think he gets it. I mean, look at look at the stuff that Steve Bannon said about them. And he's certainly not not uh, no longer a pariah. I mean, Donald Trump's a very forgiving person in that sense. And also, Donald Trump knows Roger Stone. So, you know, anyone who knows Roger and knows his personality was not shocked by Roger saying something like that. Roger is a blunt person, and he's, frankly, a funny person. And I found yeah. his statements funny. So let's let's hear the clip again and then comment on it, Tyler. Hit it. Has an IQ of 70. He's coming to Miami. We will eject him from Miami very quickly. He'll be leaving very quickly. He has 100 security guards. I'll have 5,000 security guards. You want to fight? Let's fight. F*** you. F*** you and your abortionist bitch daughter. Now, the bitch part, Trump might not like because it's his daughter. But the abortionist part, can Trump argue with? Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly where she stands. I know that I know that the Kushner and Nivanka are obviously Democrats, New York Democrats. And uh, he was referring to Trump in that in that uh, in that clip because I hadn't heard the larger version of it. Well, they're implying they're saying that it that's what it was. So I guess I assumed. But no, he huh. did not say who specifically. Interesting. Hmm. I'm trying to think who else might fit the bill. Doesn't really sound like. Doesn't sound like he's talking about Trump, to be honest. I mean, some of security guards and and you know, I mean, if he was talking about Trump, he'd be talking Secret Service. Um, I'm trying to think who and would again, fit that bill because they're trying to drive a wedge between Trump of and course, Stone. Of course, I, I assumed, but I think that I should not assume because I know how to meet lies. Yeah, well, my view is what I mean. I told Roger all along to be cautious of these guys and that he seemed to forget number one, that they were there. Number two, they were persistent about not turning the cameras off or to the recordings off. Anyway, they would leave the camera rolling and not to necessarily trust them. But I mean, this is just, it's yeah, it's just ridiculous. I don't think, I mean, this is just, this is just so petty to publish this stuff. I mean, can you imagine hearing uh, you know, conversation, the internal conversations of any of these these big? I mean, Hillary Clinton. Can you imagine hearing what she says about people? So it's like I don't think anybody takes any any particular offense to it. And if they're not identifying, if I mean, uh, you know, people ventilate. Um, I think anybody who's sophisticated who who would hear that, who Roger might be talking about, is not going to take. You know, it's, they're not going to hold it against him. So it's just it just comes across as like a cheap. Um, so I'm almost, um, what's the word? Almost like voyeuristic, you know, wanting to observe someone's private conversations or when they ventilate about some issue, uh, where it's like, you know, this is not, this is not meant for you. You shouldn't have been, to me, it's like one step away from wiretapping somebody really what they did here. It's a form of revenge porn against Roger Stone. Conversation porn. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's a, yeah, it's again, like. If it has any any sort of substantive value, 
towards what their investigation is, I, I maybe could see it. But it doesn't. It's just literally them airing something that he said that they think is going to damage him with somebody else. So it's just that cheap. And that's the level they've sunk well, to. Also, despite all the problems with the Democrats on the committee, do you think, just, I'll say it bluntly, there's no way they, they can say this investigation is complete when they did not call Ray Epps or, or ask yeah, any or, questions about Ray Epps. If they were really oh. looking into what happened, why ignore that? And I think we know why they ignored it. Because yeah. the FBI was doing something. What, what say you, Todd Nixon? Well, I mean, what, you know, what, first of all, if you're doing an investigation for the so called damage done by, at this event, wouldn't you investigate the deaths first and foremost? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't those be a, a sort of a priority to figure out, well, why did people die? Because they certainly, or, or also, who spread the, who spread the misinformation, the disinformation that Brian Sicknick, the officer, a Trump supporter who died of natural causes per the D.C. coroner, um, who was it going around saying that he was murdered or bludgeoned with some sort of, uh, you know, was killed by the mob? And who let him lie in state and who let that persist? Those would be legitimate questions. Yeah. So as I pointed out, there are legitimate questions about January 6th, but this committee didn't ask any of them. And do you think there's going to be, when the, I'm assuming, but when the GOP retakes the House, do you think they will open up January 6th hearings that get to the bottom of that stuff? Or do you think they'll just avoid the issue entirely? What say you, Tyler? You know, I would have said originally, first of all, if you're if you're on January 6th and you're already on Democrat fake turf anyway, you know, because that's their whole issue. It's it, their, their big deal, their histrionic uh, fabrication. But that being said, there's been such abuse of power surrounding just or just the committee itself, just the fact of the convening of these ridiculous hearings and all this this uh, foufra that they've, you know, to, to, to gin this thing up, that it's almost like the Democrats have so abused power and it's they're they're so they're so diabolical if you think about it they they have abused power and then if you go and investigate them similarly for doing that then they're going to say see they're, you're just doing the same thing you know the, it's going to be this tit for tat kind of thing that you've been dragged into so so do you rise above it and go get past it and let them get away with it or do you frankly stick it to them and let them squeal i don't know it's a, it's a tough call i think there's certainly instances or particular egregious acts. Um, I think what it should be used for is in a limited capacity, such as um, I would do with Adam Schiff and uh, Julian Castro and Eric Swalwell and Quigley and possibly Himes, which is to use their conduct to deny them seats on the Intelligence Committee, for example, or deny them you know, positions of, uh, that involve any sensitive materials. Say sorry, you know you've abused power. You don't get to sit on any committees, or you know and that justify it that way, not just willy nilly like they did with Marjorie Taylor Greene or others, but definitely use it just to, to for the ethics committee something to hold them to task. Now I don't even know if it's a different Congress if they can do that, but I, I would think past conduct, regardless of it's in a different Congress, would still be germane. Um, you know, by, but but there's so many abuses, it's ridiculous. I mean, they they have never seen them. You look at the Judiciary Committee, even like the way Nadler ran that, 
the way they would let the Democrats go on and on and on. They would cut off Republicans. They, they, it just, I mean, the Democrats are so just, I mean, first of all, megalomaniacal. And then when they get power, they abuse it. So, uh, just so handily or so readily, it really, it, it, it warrants, it warrants at least getting on the record and, and noting why these people are as crooked as they are, at least for public consumption. I don't know about having it be a, a be all end all investigation of the event itself. In January well, that's a case, great anyway. strategy, but I think the other area that they could use it for is a look at the FBI, because I think yes. the FBI's hands, the FBI's fingerprints are all over January 6th. Would you agree Absolutely. with that, Tyler? Yes, yeah, and so so are they over the Russian collusion, which was, you know, a big, big, again, investigation in the Intelligence Committee with Adam Schiff committing serial violations of the House of the House rules and the the HIPSI rules, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, where he was communicating with outside parties outside the purview of the committee or without the chairs or the you know joint uh, committee permission to do so. He leaked a letter he wrote to Devin Nunes with and it was like an intra intra committee memorandum leaked that to David Korn in order to and within the letter said he was communicating with Mueller's team. So it's like a double you know a double hit. He leaks the letter saying he's talking to outside parties all against the rules, and yet these people get away with it. Um, you know, I'm personally going to draft a memorandum because I chronicle these uh, a number of these abuses, uh, particularly the television appearances of members of the committee discussing and disclosing Roger Stone's testimony, characterizing it, whatever have you, totally in violation of the House committee. It's considered classified material. An executive committee, um, any sessions or any interviews given, so he they had no permission to do this. They went out and immediately violated the rules to Roger Stone's detriment. Refused to then disclose the transcript to him, which is also a rules requirement if if the uh, someone's testimony is is discussed or disclosed. And I think this needs to be grounds. And I'm going to peti- form it in a petition um, to whoever. I mean, be nice if it wasn't Kevin McCarthy, but basically as grounds to deny those those people I mentioned seats on the Intelligence Committee for cause. That's a way no, to stick it to Schiff. I, deny him his Intelligence Committee hovel because they did more damage, frankly, when they were in the minority on the Intelligence Committee than they, almost they did when they took over the majority for the last two years. And I think you'll agree it's high time for this. And I'm not sure who procedurally could bring it up, but politically – Someone like Thomas Massey in the House would be a good person to bring us up. I think it's time for, and they should call it, the new church committee hearings. Uh, uh, Open investigation like the church committee on misdeeds by the FBI and the CIA. And I don't know who can bring it up because, you know, what committee has to go through or whatever. But what do you think about that? tactical idea for the Republicans to call a new church committee to investigate the FBI and the CIA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly feel like at this point they're so tainted. Just cut to the chase. Just begin defunding them. Begin to make take whatever moves. I mean, what's good is exposing them if they it doesn't stop them because they don't care or the, or they'll suppress. I mean, probably the worst abuses have never been revealed and never will be. So I don't know. I think, you know, if you if you, if anybody who does not think that either of those agencies and particularly the FBI have totally gone so far and and are so thoroughly corrupt 
and tainted that really it's almost impossible for them to go on as they are. You're not paying attention. And the fact that this has gone on for decades and, and the church commission back then was supposed to stop this stuff and it did nothing to stop it. So, you know, what point are we going to say we're, we're done investigating? We're done trying to ferret out the truth. You people are a, a lawless, uh, out of control, rogue element within our government that is, is can't exist anymore. And we're certainly not. I mean, the, the black budgets, too. I mean, look at all the money they get that's unaccountable. I mean, it is a it, you're talking about a serious undertaking that I don't think should be done lightly or as just purely didactic or investigatory thing. It has to it has to be or as a stunt. based on. Right. Or 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 as a stunt. I think yeah, if exactly they, if they had the committee simultaneously with the bill to defund them. So as the bills make its way through Congress, that's right. And yeah, it's on the minds of people. The evidence is coming out in parallel with that. Does it make sense? Yeah, no, that would have to be you. I was just sort of saying introduce legislation to whatever have you take measures to break them, break the agency up to institute very draconian new measures or maybe a graduated process. And then the when that is referred to various committees, hearings can be scheduled, which will reveal information that would substantiate and justify these these uh, these measures. Now, Tyler, the abuse is being exhibit A. We've got about eight minutes left in the segment. And so I'm telling you that because I'm going to wind you up and cut you loose here. Uh, what I mean by that is, is I just want a, a general question and any answer you care to give in the next seven or eight minutes. Because you are an expert on the JFK assassination, and I know that about you, but many people may have forgotten that. What, in fact, do you think the role of the CIA was in the JFK assassination? And answer however you want, and you've got seven sure. minutes to do it. Todd, the next well, it's interesting you raise this question. I was listening to an interview of your former co-host, uh, John Kiriakou, recently with Chris Hedges, which is a great interview. It's you know, re- relatively brief if, if for those who want to check it out. Um, and he, he, he brings up the issue of the CIA's involvement in JFK and how he, John Kiriakou, argues with Oliver Stone about the subject because Oliver obviously is, you know, in the in the the camp that that would assign the CIA uh, culpability for for you know ultimately executing the well pulling off the assassination executing President Kennedy, and he he sort of said that Oliver explodes on him because he always tells Oliver things like or he'll say to Oliver you know why don't you look at Santo Traficante and and Oliver explodes on him and. I feel like, you know, I, I like John, John, I feel often has a lot of good insights, but he also has some really uh, egregious blind spots, in, in least in what I've heard him talk about concerning the CIA. And I think this is one of them. I think if you look at the totality of the people involved uh, in this, well, first of all, the people who ran the CIA and the, in the central figures at the time, whether it be William Harvey who hate and then the hatred for the Kennedys and the fact of the, how the Kennedys were running afoul of the central figures of the Central Intelligence Agency at the time, whether it be the Dulles brothers or, or Alan Dulles in particular, um, to again, William Harvey, who was a total psycho 
who hated the Kennedys as well and, and was uh, banished to the Rome field office. And also David Atlee Phillips, also uh, uh, James Jesus Angleton, um, and even down to, uh, um, gosh, God, her name escapes me. Um, uh, her husband was also a key CIA, uh, Mary, oh my God. Uh, anyway, yeah, Cord whatever. Meyer. J- that's Meyer. right, Cord Meyer. Cord Meyer's wife was, uh, her, you know, having assignations with Kennedy in the White House. In fact, it's she alleged that she turned him on to not only uh, pot, she turned Kennedy on to not only pot but to LSD. And um, of course, that would be certainly uh, enough rage. But I mean, these are these, are, but but also the the Oswald connections, the. Um, and frankly, it, since mentioning Kiriako bringing up the mafia connection, this is the moment in history in which you had the absolute undeniable nexus between the the mafia, the American mafia and the CIA. And it was for the purpose of assassination plots. So if you had even if you would say, well, uh, you know, it was the mafia. The mafia was, you know, it was Johnny Roselli. It was uh, Carlos Marcello. It was Santo Traficante. You're you're right there because of the at that at that time the very tight relationship with the CIA for uh, for the anti Castro uh, plots going on. Then it's almost like saying that is saying is synonymous with saying the F, the CIA was involved and and had a hand in it. And what I think their hand was was to serve as the sort of executive producer of the assassination to coordinate the elements to uh you know sort of they the they were um they basically were overseeing things they were the sort of the eye in the sky um whereas the the mafia and the cosa nostra organized crime elements were the operational ground you know the shooters in other words the guys in the ground and i think the cia just you know sort of Walked between the raindrops and made sure everything came together, and and they were a uniquely suited uh, agency with unique powers and abilities to to do pull off that exact, you know, pull pull off that very function. With I think at the time the involvement of high level military, like uh, Edward Lansdale, uh, you know, sort of intelligence connected, same thing where where there was a more of a contin a a, a, a sort of a flow between say the defense intelligence or high level military um officers and and high level cia folks um but to say that and how familiar you are can't you, wrap your head tyler, around the cia doing it is to be ignorant of the cia at that time and tyler how familiar are you with the george jornetti's portion of this oh uh, very familiar you know certainly familiar enough, familiar enough to know that the cia after the fact went out of its way to cover up and misdirect and thwart any legitimate investigation into the assassination on any front. Yeah, for sure. And that's not conjecture. I think that's been 100% proven by the George Jornetti yeah. stuff. You agree? Yes, for not, no question. So it's like, why? I mean, and again, why, if you're innocent, it's kind of like Lyndon Johnson or any of the, you know, the, you know if, you, if you are totally blameless and you have no hand in it, you know why manipulate the investigation? Why try to steer it? Why try to cover up anything that leads towards back towards your own doorstep or to you know go so heavy in on one? Why not leave it open to any possibility instead of channeling it down to one cul-de-sac of you know single single gunman, lone nut, whatever Russian 
uh, communist sympathizer, a Russian defector or defector of Russia, I should say. And these are the things that I think no. people don't go ahead. No, I was going to ask you if you have any opinion on Ted Cruz's father possibly being in New Orleans. Do you have any take on that yourself, Tyler? You know, Judith Barry Baker, who's come out as and was definitely has documentation demonstrating, proving that she was a, an employee of the Riley Coffee Company in New Orleans in the summer of 1963 when Lee Oswald spent time there and worked at the Riley Coffee Company, which was, you know, where he was right as as uh, the film JFK sort of points out, he was right in like ground zero of the intelligence community of the United States, naval intelligence, CIA and so forth, right there on, I guess, was it Magazine Street and in, in, um, in New Orleans. And she yes. basically said that uh, um, she, it was her belief that, that this absolutely was she, she knew who this person was and that he, in fact, is Ted Cruz's father. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard for me to like. I haven't seen anything that to me is a knockout. that says, "Oh my God, this is definitely him." But what's funny is, um, you know, if he if he was involved in some way, they want to deny that he had anything to do with uh, knowing Lee Harvey Oswald or anything like that. And it's like it, and that's because they take the wrong view of the thing that that Lee Oswald was a lone nut assassin, where instead of someone who is actually a a clearly an American intelligence asset and probably a loyal Marine and American so, who Tyler, believed he was... Tyler, Go ahead. We're out of time for the hour, so let's pick this up after a short break on Double sure. Top Tower Friday here on The Backstory. On the backstory, bringing you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Strahan, and this is the backstory. And we're joined on a double tap Tyler week because we had Tyler on yesterday in great appearance. And we are privileged to have the great Tyler Nixon co hosting show and great appearance by Tyler. And let's keep talking about this JFK thing. Uh, coming up this hour, by the way. We have Jim Hoff, Gateway Pundit, and it's always fun. You looking forward to that, Tyler? Uh, say that again. You looking forward to Jim Hoff? Oh yes, absolutely. No, Jim Hoff is a. I, I love the Gateway Pundit, and I think they really do such. They, I mean, this is the place to go to find the the, the breaking stories, uh, the real dirt, the real stuff that's going on, the, the abuses, um, and they hold no punches over there. They're, they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't censor themselves, and Jim Hoft is—I mean—it's really emerged as a place to get the the the, the real the real scoop on everything. And uh, I know I love it. I love it. And and they're tr- and he's such patriots, the type of people you don't have to question where they're coming from. Right, and it, it should be said publicly. Every time I've had a story about Ukraine, and I am avowedly pro-Russia and pro-Ukraine, but I'm pro-fact-based reporting. Every time I've had a factual story that I wanted to get some traction, I went to Jim Hoff. He has never turned down a story. He doesn't have to say, 
I don't even say least right on everything. In the same way, I don't have to say Jim Hoft is right on everything. But I appreciate the fact he's not only never censored me, he's given me a platform. And that is admirable. Does that make sense, Tyler? Totally. This is the type of journalism that, that is sorely lacking all in the main that we used, maybe used to have on some level, but it's disappeared. Um, and they, it's a huge public service. I, I just, I, they do such great work over there. And I've known Jim a long time. I, we met through Andrew Breitbart. So uh, I've known Jim a long time, 12 years or something like that. And he's a great friend. And he's coming up this hour. And we're taking your calls, 202-521-1320. This. In fact, Tyler, your guest co-hosting, do me a favor. Stay in the sure. show and watch the magic. Oh, well, you are listening to and part of the backstory. Okay, Tyler, he may talk about some of the JFK stuff because he his name indicates he's a right-wing conspiracy nut. But our next caller at 202-521-1320 is a great killer of owls. Owl killer, you right-wing nut. How you doing? <laughs> hey, not bad. Uh, no, no, let me, no. I- in fact, in fact, owl killer, let me correct myself. Are you, in fact, a right-wing nut? I know you're not, but I don't actually know if you consider yourself on the left or the right or beyond all that BS at this point. I'm totally beyond it, but my views are my views are conservative. But I like like I was saying um, when I was commenting on, hey, the Republicans need to update their platform. You got to pick an issue, do something about um, reducing the cost of health care or tuition free uh, state universities. Like they, they gotta, they they got they gotta pick an issue because this ain't capitalism. It, it's just not it. When you can print money out of thin air, they're stealing they're stealing the wealth from the person. Yes, you back in the day, a hundred years ago, you could save you actually could save money. There was something called a, sa- a savings account, and they, you know they didn't have pensions or anything like that, and people could save money, and they you know people could be entrepreneurs. It doesn't exist anymore now. I so my of course I'm I'm pro life I'm pro gun I'm pro private property I'm for no taxes unless you're a billionaire and if you're a billionaire I think at this point I think that if you open your mouth politically or you donate money um, I think anything over a billion dollars should be ninety percent tax rate at that that's that's the point I've gotten to and where when I was listening to Tyler talk. Um, you, there is no, there is no way to save the country unless, like for for agencies like the FBI and CIA, my platform would be give them their pension if they have a year or forty years. You get full retirement and everything, and we just get rid of the agency because that's the only way you're going to prevent them from doing something drastic. Is they have to have an off ramp, give them their full pension, and the agency is gone. And then something that will replace it we, is going to be something that looks at the elite and looks at the bankers and looks at Bohemian Grove and Bilderberg and the World Economic Forum. You turn the agencies working for the people, and where and there should be legislation passed. Business insiders and government people can never meet in secret ever again. And you should probably get 100 years for doing it. 
because we're talking about how Trump um, with, with the whole vaccine thing. And when I brought up two years ago that, hey, it's the World Economic Forum, and you said, how could I, I don't want to generalize it, but you're saying, you know, you find it hard that one entity could make the entire world uh, do the exact do the same um, type of policies, but they did it, and that's because they're able to meet in secret. And we're at the point where they don't even they tell you what they're going to do. It's it's just that there's no will to see these people for what they are. I mean, do you do you need do you do do people need? The uh, the statue, do they need Moloch to, like, fly in front of them to tell them that they're, like, demonic, sick freaks? Yeah, I mean, who uh, who is for aborting uh, kids after, after they're born? Who is for wars? Only sick people are for this. Who are for, their, for the uh, transgenders um, assignments and you know, teaching this and drag queen story time? Only, it's, it's like anything normal, it's inverse. And that, that's what Buddhism is. It's the inverse of, of God. Well, those, those so, are some astute co- Al comments, Killer, Al Killer. I, I got to move on for time. But Tyler, any comments on anything Al Killer said? Go ahead. Yes, I think they're very astute comments. And, and I think you sort of put your finger on the, the essential issue. The, the problem is that, um, well, first of all, I, I, it's funny you mentioned um, you know these agencies and and the and the removal or or the fact that like a world economic forum can have such influence and yet it's like well who are these how do they do this why how do they get away with this i thought to myself earlier today astonishing when you think about the fact that our currency is not controlled by our own government or its people it is our, our the federal reserve bank is owned by foreign a foreign banking cartel so i mean our currency is not even controlled by people the people of the United States or our government that just think about that. I mean, this is insanity. It is, is beyond. How do they get away with this? Yet they do. And, you know, as, as Ron Paul was fond of saying, the Federal Reserve is about as federal as Federal Express. And um, yet yet here we are. And they can manipulate our currency, totally tank, uh, allow for these you know, quantitative easing and the destruction of people's savings and the destruction of the value of this currency. And there's nothing we can do about it. As a, I mean, I guess you know you could take radical action as a as a people and seize back your currency, which would be nice, uh, and should be should be the case. But you know, at this point, the, the level of control and the the tentacles are so deep, and it's such a complex issue that most people don't even don't even know that this is the case, much less what to do about it. And with regard to like the World Economic Forum, yeah, I mean, it's like you see this the, the lunacy. Of like flirting with nuclear nuclear war, and these people are doing it in a way that doesn't even seem, you know, it's. I mean, anybody who even raises the possibility of nuclear, uh, the use of nuclear weapons as a rational alternative or reasonable, uh, or excuse me, response or any t- ever in any fashion, I mean, other than literal, you know, first strike on the homeland, anybody who uses or has rhetoric. Indicating there should be use or could be used is is absolutely insane and should be removed from any lever of power or any access to these weapons or the ability to influence their use because this is just I mean you want to talk about flirting with to- the total annihilation of mankind and the world as we know it it's like what why do you people even exist then you're supposed to protect us from that very possibility not to ensure it and a great call as usual, Al Killer. So two yes. two five two one thirteen twenty. 
from Prince George's County, Maryland, close to D.C. Bobby, you're on. Yeah. Hey, Bobby. Lee, I wanted to give a take on the Kennedy assassination, which I thought about, but I've never heard. Just to get your and anybody else's thoughts on it. If somebody wants to kill me or kill you, uh, it's not such a huge deal, unfortunately. But the President of the United States, if you hire a killer to kill him, that killer is going to be killed, and the person who hired him is going to be killed. There cannot be any trace of who did the work. An exposed, if he gets caught, everybody goes down, which leads me to believe that who could have been behind it if the killer is going to be killed and the person who hired him and maybe the one who hired the, the cutout. I mean, it's just the, the, the whole government will be after you, that no place mm-hmm. is safe to you. So who could get away with that? And all I can think of is Fidel Castro. He has some of his buddies who he fought with. Unlike many communists, he actually did some fighting. Uh, he gets his sergeants that SOB Kennedy tried to kill me five times. Compadres, you get him, you come back here, you'll be safe, and you'll live like kings for the rest of the time. So he, based on that, he's the only one that makes sense. But again, maybe expert. So, so Bobby, let me stop you for a couple of seconds. So, first off, I broadly disagree with a lot of what you're saying. Castro actually did not start off as a communist. His brother was a communist, but when Castro overthrew Cuba, he was unsure about which way to go. And Tyler, have you ever seen? Fidel Castro interviewed by Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan. Oh, you when you came to New York? No, be, before that, he was a remote interview. Ed Sullivan, who of course I've never posted no, never seen that. The Beatles and Elvis. Right? Mm-hmm. Ed Sullivan. Right. right. So no. like nineteen fifty seven, circa nineteen fifty seven. Yes, you can find it on YouTube actually. Look for Ed Sullivan Castro. But it's fascinating. Because he's treating them like a celebrity. Oh, you know, yeah. Ed Sullivan, Absolutely. obviously the Beatles and all this, he was now a hard news guy, not Ed- Edward Murrow. But it's still interesting to show you, and, and you point out, when Castro came to New York the first time, he was greeted as a celebrity, too. You see that footage, Tyler. Yeah. What do you think of, well, of Castro? Well, I think I'm our CIA... Again, our intelligence communities screwed it up, and the reason being is because Castro was was uh, looking to clean the mafia's influence out of there uh, in the tentacles, which meant, you know, because the CIA was establishing these ties to the mafia at that time um, for whatever their purposes were, uh, that there was um, resistance and hostility towards Castro, which drove him into the arms of the Soviets. I mean, he was not a natural, he was not a communist, as you just said, you know, straight away. He adopted that as a matter of survival and, you know, to be to yes. to be able to secure the uh, protection of the Soviet Union um, against 
the United States coming in, throw, overthrowing him and his government. And as far as his assassinating, being involved in the assassination of Kennedy, no, Castro was very sophisticated and he understood exactly what the CIA was all about. And I think he don't. I think he understood, frankly, um, almost intuitively, being a very wily uh, uh, type of person in terms of his leadership or his. Um, I mean, I think he was a, very much a monstrous individual too. But I think he knew that Kennedy was not behind. If there were any assassination plots of him, it certainly wasn't coming from Kennedy himself necessarily. And that he also knew yes. that, that the risks involved with assassinating the president, no matter what you think. The, the how airtight it is would would the, the repercussions would be so fatal you know like getting nuked if they could demonstrate it in any uh, capacity that it, which it's not a risk he would be willing to take um, and I also think that uh, to, to you know to that this would also require ignoring I mean don't you think that they I mean you look at the cover-up of the assassination the the bring I mean did Castro does Castro order the uh, and and somehow pull off the uh, the botching and and manipulation of the autopsy and the medical evidence and the the uh, you know all of the documentary cover-ups and all of the, all that went on to manipulate the uh, investigation? I mean, why would the, why would why would they have incentive if there's any real evidence of of Castro doing it? It just yeah, it 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 requires the negation of all the evidence basically. Besides, um, yeah, I don't even know of yeah. any evidence toward, towards Castro at all. But it's a novel theory. And so of that's course, why it's an I, I encourage open debate. Though I, I appreciate the question, Bobby, but I'm just telling you some stuff that I think, and having Tyler, who's an expert on this, Tyler, what do you think? About, uh, and the other thing I should point out here is when Cuba is controlled by Batista. People from New York and D.C. would go over to Cuba for the weekend, right? Yeah. A yeah. lot of rich and powerful people. And yeah, all that was hotels, lost. Right. And the hotels were used to blackmail people because people would go over to Cuba for the weekend and they'd see a girl or a guy. And that was more controversial at the time. They gamble. They drink. Right. So. The CIA used those hotels in Cuba as a way of gathering blackmail. Have you heard that theory before, Tyler? I think there was a lot going on in Cuba that was a very convenient offshore area, I mean, or offshore of the United, off the out of the United States, but yet very close by. That they could do things they could never do legally anyway in the United States, particularly the mafia's uh, ownership, and, and again, it also entailed the nexus between the mafia and the CIA or the intelligence community, whatever you have you at that time, that absolutely there were a lot of things that were a lot of a lot of opportunities and avenues and property and operation, whatever, there's a huge amount of assets and things that were lost as soon as Castro took over that these people were not happy about losing and were willing to and actually uh chafing at the bit to murder Castro and get back their assets, such as especially the mafia who lost, you know, tens of not hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investments into hotels and operations that and just the fact of losing the revenue from those, much less losing the assets themselves. And so, Bobby, l let me give you the last word, but thanks for the call. And uh, you've heard what Todd and I have to say. What say you, Bobby? Retort. Bad retort. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm driving, 
so I can't pull it up. Uh, I read a lot of documentation. Castro was on the payroll of the Cuban communist, uh, pardon me, of the communist embassy in Cuba during the late 40s, during World War II. He was recruited as a teenager, or he joined as a teenager. It was nothing new. He was on their payroll and a hardcore red as a teenager, which he stayed. And I'll be happy to pull that information off the web for you. Again, I'm driving. Well, throw, throw well that's fair me. enough. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to take in any information like that. And then and that, that, that definitely uh, would, would substantiate his proclivity to communism even prior to, to um, you know, to, to yes. uh, his, his like partnering to with the Soviets. Bobby. Feel free to send my email address is my last name at gmail.com if you want to send it on long. And I'll pass it on to you, Tyler. So great call, Bobby. Now let's go to our friend Tarif in Louisiana. 202-521-1320. Tarif, what's on your mind? Thank y'all. How y'all doing? Thank y'all for taking my call. I have three comments, but I'm gonna try to do the first ones first. The first two, maybe I get to the third one. First, I like to say free joint signs. First comment is this. It seemed like the United States was putting troops back into Haiti again, trying to stop the people from um, having a serious revolution, trying to get their country back. They're going to try to take the, um, so the Haitian sovereignty away from them again. My second comment, uh, thank God for Jose uh, Vega and the other guy for for um, exposing AOC, Bowman, and Kamala Harris for the past month. Standing up, talking, basically calling them hypocrites for promoting um, nuclear war by giving Nazis billions of dollars, but not investing in New York, Detroit, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and other places where we actually need the money for um, infrastructure. The LaRoucheOrganization.com is having an um, assembly tomorrow, uh, or discussing tomorrow. It's going to be 9, 8, 9 o'clock a.m. or 10 o'clock a.m. on YouTube, and also you can go to the site. The SinlaInstitute.com is going to be um, streaming it as well. So please, everybody, check it out. My last comment is this to go along with what y'all saying about, okay, after FDR died in 2000, excuse me, 1995, Ho Chi Minh and a whole bunch of other people that was in the, um, the former colonies of the French and British and Spaniards, right? They started going towards the Silver Union because they was working out deals with FDR when he was living. Well, the American policies was going to be implemented in, in, in um, the Vietnam and different parts of the world. But once he died, then Churchill policies of trying to recapture the economies along with the French and whatnot, once Churchill policies took over and he started manipulate, manipulating Truman, then that's when you saw Ho Chi Minh and a whole bunch of other people like Castro start going to the Silvers and start becoming communists, you know? Thank y'all for taking my call. Great call. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, very. Now, we got a couple of clips to play. So let's start with your friend, Tucker Carlson, Tyler, talking about, I I said when this happened, Zelensky banned Tucker's show in Ukraine. (laughs) And I said, Zelensky going after Tucker was a mistake on Zelensky's part. And so let's go to Tucker talking about Zelensky, that clip. And this is why. Tucker is not a squish. Tucker does not just lie there and go, 
oh, boo-hoo, you banned me? I'm sorry, I'll apologize. So let's play that clip. Hit it. Five billion dollars. What? Some uppity foreigner in a t-shirt demanding money for his critical economic needs? We have critical economic needs too, buddy. Who are you, troll? Go away. What? Since when does that guy have a claim on our treasury? So this is the job of people like Sandy Cortez to remind us again to break the spell of hypnosis the U.S. Congress is under. We don't owe this guy anything. Not one thing. Good luck, pal. That's it. And as our economy degrades and our border is gone, that guy's lecturing us with some Christmas list. Like, I want this, that, and I want a bicycle, too. You better send it. Quick. Really? Up yours, buddy. Now, by the way, I'll say this. The genius of Tucker Carlson is that he's a very smart guy who can also talk in a plain spoken way like that and say what is on a lot of people's minds. Do you agree, Chuck Tyler? Oh, oh, absolutely. I love it. Yeah, he can be very colloquial. And the way he just uh, also breaks it down to, I mean, it's so obvious that how could people miss this? This the hubris of this guy that's, uh, you know, and yeah, it's just it, it's insane that that we would have this this person not only not only making the demands that he has, but almost like saying, oh, it's your, you know, you will you will launch nuclear, you know, you will launch first strikes against Russia for our purposes, which leads me to believe that I don't think Zelensky is some sort of insane lunatic. I think it's that he's being prompted to do this by certain people. And those certain people are, are let's face it, the militarist neocon ilk on our side who have some kind of weird interests in Ukraine or against Russia, this anti-Russia mania, anti-Putin mania, um, that, that he feels confident enough to make such demands. Otherwise, I mean, I mean, what rational actor would be so blustering and demanding and frankly, just like almost barking at the, and biting at the hand that's feeding him uh, on a level that would not be accepted? It would not be it would be just you'd be a fool to think you could do that. But I think he, he knows he can get away with it, not so much because he can get away with it, but because he's been prompted to do it. A hundred percent agree. He's a clown and is a comic, but he's also a puppet. He's Sean yeah. McCarthy. His, his words, I think, and clearly the WF and the CIA have their hand up his butt like a ventriloquist yeah. dummy. If he really was representing I, the, the interests of his people, he would be suing for peace. He would be wanting to be at the table to do anything to stop the bloodshed. Not saying we we will not accept any, uh, you know, not negotiate with the Russian government as long as Putin's president. That's ridiculous. That is a that is totally muppeteering by the by the Western intelligence as, uh, agencies. Now, would not be Tyler Nixon appearance if we did not eventually talk about classic rock. <laughs> so let me tie that in to the stuff we've been talking about. Did you hear the new Dylan song? It's not new. It, it's only about a year old. Murder Most Foul. It's yes. this late yes. period Dylan, and he's. It's almost not a song. It's almost a a poem set to jazz. Does that make yeah. sense? So, it is. Yeah, so it's, it's very it's very prosaic. Yeah, but I thought Dylan did something very significant there, and he seems to, he didn't get in 
to an Oliver Stone level of minutia on the Kennedy killing. But I think Dylan clearly knows what's up with yeah. the Kennedy assassination. He gave so, key p- bits of information that really revealed the whole thing, the essence of it. Yeah, no, no, I think so too. So people should listen to that if they haven't. Murder Most Foul by Bob Dylan. You can find it on YouTube or wherever you listen to music. But, and I think that one thing he he pointed out in that song was basically this is a public killing, a, a, a sacrificial lamb. And I yeah. think that's, and, and like you say, I do not think if if Castro wanted to take him out, a foreign leader would tend to do it, you know, surreptitiously. But well, I yeah, think without, wit- public- without tons of witnesses and in a grotesque public way, for sure. Like poison him in his sleep or something like that. Now, what do you make of, since we got a couple minutes before Jim hops on, any comments on Jack Ruby? Where do you think he fit into this? Oh, boy. Um, so you get in some weird, weird, uh, the former, uh, former well, attorney to, to Howard Hunt. Oh, what's his name? I, I, I'm terrible with names some days. Um, attorney, he, he's, he's the one who believes JFK was assassinated. He has a book, the JFK was assassinated over the uh, UFO yeah. subject. Uh, oh, gosh, the attorney. Are, are you, just, you know I'm ta- talking about Garrison? No, no, not Garrison. This is a this is an attorney represented Howard Hunt uh, in in the Watergate deal. Oh my God, uh, I could pull his name up here on. Oh, it escapes me. But he's a, he was Howard Hunt's attorney, and maybe for a couple of the other Watergate burglars. And he wrote a book that essentially says that JFK was killed, and he believes JFK was killed over the UFO uh, issue. He was going to reveal, you know, he was going to disclose, and they they had to stop him. The Majestic Twelve, whatever have you. That's when you get into some really really kind of touchy sketchy areas in terms of like mm, this is a this is getting into the fantastical but not beyond the realm of possibility i would say that being said he has said that the person who shot oswald in the film was not jack ruby but an fbi agent i think his name is booker or something like that and if you notice it's very interesting none of the film or pictures of the shooting of oswald in the garage there actually shows the face of the shooter. And I've, I've gone through it all. And I'm like, wow, this is so strange that I never noticed that before. And they said, you also notice that the shooter is immediately enveloped by a gaggle of agents who th- and one agent throws a coat over his head to cover it. And they whisk him off into the other room. Now I, I find that this, this is, this is into the realm of like, people have been over overthinking this, I think. But I mean, it's that's the thing about the JFK issue or assassination. There's so many areas where you just don't, you can never say for sure on some of these things that, yeah, this absolutely was Jack Ruby. Here's a faithful frontal facial shot of this guy. I mean, there's the analysis literally down to like a sideburns and the, his position. And I think they were saying that he, you know, Ruby was framed. This was an FBI agent that did it, and it's it's so strange. But what I think of Ruby was absolutely. A mafia, um, you know, sort of a, a a minion in in the food chain who was ordered by, uh, um, I mean, he was visited immediately by. It escapes me the name of the Dallas uh, crime, the head of the Cosa Nostra in Dallas, but he went and visited Ruby, and Ruby had a furious his 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 personal uh, home phone 
showed a massive escalation or flurry of phone calls in the week leading up to the assassination. So he he was not just some Avenger. He was ordered. Uh, Let's take a short break because Jim Jim Hoff's online. So fantastic answer, though. We could could do a whole show on that answer. And we should get Jamal on because the UFO stuff, it does get weird, but there's something to that. So let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll be joined by none other than the Gateway Pundit, our friend Jim Hoff, on a Friday edition, Double Tap Tyler Week of The Backstory. backstory and on the radio in Washington, D.C., 105.5 FM, AM 1390. So we're going to be joined by Gateway Pundit Jim Hoff in one minute. Tyler, Rod and I were talking about this before, but I'm going to ask Jim this. As we approach the midterms, I actually think the Democrats don't understand what the voters think about because I saw a poll recently that the number two issue for people is education is education and the kids. So let's welcome Jim Hoff from the Gateway Pundit. He is the Gateway Pundit. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Hi, Lee. Good to be with you. So you're on with Tyler Nixon today, too, Jim. So say hi, Tyler. Hi, Tyler Nixon. We were talking about the issues that are important to voters. Based on what you've seen as one of the top conservative publishers in the world, uh, based on reader interest, how big a deal is the aftermath of the pandemic? How interested are people in finding out, as we're finding all these things out about what Pfizer and Moderna and these other companies knew, how big... How interested are the people in the aftermath and finding out, getting to the bottom of the truth about COVID-19 vaccines? Jim. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry to interrupt the stream. Jim, it's great to be with you. Uh, and I, I, it's you know, an honor. And I'm in touch with Katie O'Malley uh, at your organization and looking forward to uh, looking forward to potentially working with you guys. And um, uh, uh, just, I was just praising the Gateway Pundit as just one of my favorite sources. And, you know, and your work is just uh, such a huge contribution to the cause. And thank you. It's great to be with you. Yeah. So, Jim, he's a raving fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I'm not, you know, I'm not normally like that. So, I'll, you know, it's, uh, these, these guys deserve it. No, he, That's for sure. He really isn't like that. For instance, he hates my guts. But uh, <laughs> Jim, how do you think, and, and tells me all the time, but no, I love Tyler. So, and I love you, Jim. And I've known you, like I say, for so long, but you're doing such great work and it's so important. How important do you think to the voters, the issue of the vaccines is? You know, I Jim? a lot of interest there. Yep, Lee. And um, I think the, uh, the interest, uh, uh, is because 
everybody has a story now. It's it's not that it's just uh, somebody that you may have heard of or read about in the paper, but I think with this issue, what we're finding is that uh, the longer we get away from these uh, from the pandemic and from all of the uh, uh, really uh, just unbelievable policies that they passed and, and forced us through. Uh, and, and now with the, the vaccines, we're seeing everybody has a story. Um, you know, you, you talk to somebody who said, yeah, uh, uh, their, their, their sister's friend died in the night, you know, um, and I'm hearing more and more stories like that. We keep putting up a lot of those stories at Gateway Pundit. And uh, so, uh, you know, I think there's a huge amount of interest there. And I think it's I think it's only going to grow because more and more people are going to hear stories of really uh, horrible things that happened to people who took the vaccine. So, um, and, you know, we put up a big story this week. I think we were one of the first or the first to put up the story from the uh, European Union where the FISA official admitted that they weren't, uh, when they were testing the vaccine, they weren't testing to see if it uh, would, uh, you know, um, prevent the spread of the disease. So, uh, you know, we keep finding out these things, Lee, and it's just unbelievable that they're forcing, you know, these uh, passports and won't let you work and they take away your livelihood and they put you in little uh, uh, communes uh, where you're forced to stay. Um, And and now we find out that uh, the vaccine really didn't work that much anyway, and it ended up harming a lot of people. So I think it's a pretty big issue. I only think it's going to grow. Now, we have a clip. This is about the Pfizer CEO's statements from Tucker Carlson. So let's play the clip. Hit it. That shouldn't be surprising because Pfizer, which made the vaccine, never even tested to see if it prevented the transmission of COVID. What? You'd think they would know that since Tony Fauci and everyone in the U.S. government and everyone at your kid's school and everyone on television and Morning Joe and all the rest of them knew for a fact, but Pfizer didn't even know. And we know that because Pfizer executive Janine Small answered questions on Monday at the European Parliament, and here's how it went. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please... Say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, Regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, These, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Oh, the speed of science. That's the speed at which you're moving too fast to do science. And you just sort of hope for the best and yell at anyone who disagrees with your preferred and hoped for outcome. The speed of science. Rob Rose is the man you just saw on on tape. He's a conservative member of the European Parliament. He's from the Netherlands, and we are grateful to have him on tonight. Rob, thanks so much for coming on. Um, Did you know the answer to that question when you asked it? And were you shocked by what she said? Well, good evening, Tucker. Um, It really was a special moment. For the first time, Pfizer admitted that the vaccine was not tested on stopping the transmission of the virus when it entered the market. And this has massive implications. Governments 
pushed millions of people worldwide to get vaccinated by telling them, um, by telling me, telling you to 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 do it for your grandmother, and they yes. tricked perfectly healthy young people into taking this jab using false arguments, and they used big words such as antisocial to solve an immense hatred against people who refuse to comply with the government's wishes. And even worse, many governments, including mine, actually introduced so-called COVID passports. These passports made access to parts of society conditional. Those who did not wish to get vaccinated lost that access, not being able to visit a restaurant or a gym, all in the name of public health. Our governments love to talk about institutional discrimination, but this was real institutional discrimination. Yes. In many countries, like the US and Italy, vaccine mandates were introduced for certain professions. Many people lost their job, their livelihood, their business, because they stood by their principles. Austria even had a lockdown for the unvaccinated because of this reason. The government literally imprisoned people within their own homes. All of this was based on the idea that vaccination helps prevent the spread of the virus. Otherwise, why should people out of society? But this has now proven to be a big lie. Even the president of, um, for international development market of Pfizer now admits that there was no scientific basis to say vaccination would stop the transmission of the virus. And I find this one of the biggest scandals of our time. The politicians responsible for this will be angry that people are looking back at this time, but I won't forget what they did to millions of people. And if we are a democracy, we should have accountability. And that's what yes. I'm calling for. Yes. If we are a democracy. And by the way, Pfizer knew this. None of its executives bothered to correct these politicians. And yet no Pfizer executive has been charged with the crime they committed, which is pretty unbelievable. I wish we had more politicians like you in Washington. Rob Rose, thank you for coming on tonight. And Jim, do you have anything to add to that? And are you shocked that this has become a partisan issue? I see nothing here that should be partisan. What say you, Jim Hoff? Uh, I, I agree with you. This is something everybody is concerned about. And you know what is interesting, Lee? We put up that story, and within 24 hours, one of these fake fact checkers on uh, social media flagged our post and said it was inaccurate. Um, even though we quoted the person word for word, you know, um, so it, again, it exposes just the uh, depth of uh, the reach of these globalists and uh, big pharma in the fact that they, uh, you know, were out to uh, get anyone who was uh, publishing this, this uh, uh, famous clip now. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's really we're living in extraordinary times, Lee where um, you're seeing and hearing something with your own eyes, and then you have some people come back and try to persuade you that, you know, what, what you just heard, it wasn't real. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's really stunning. Again, I think people are going to be, there's going to be a growing fury at these pharmaceutical companies and at our political leaders for what they did to uh, everyone. And I'd like to add one last point, Lee, quickly, and that is, you know, America was the, uh, you know, the flag bearer. They were the ones that everyone looked at to uh, set their and base their COVID policies. I have friends from Asia, from uh, Philippines. They based their policies on the U.S. 
So it wasn't just the U.S. that was damaged by Dr. Fauci and his policies and Dr. Burks and by Pfizer. It was the whole world. And uh, this is one of the greatest crimes uh, in, in, in humankind, I believe. If I may jump in and ask Jim a question, Lee. Yeah, of course. Go ahead, Todd Nixon. Sure. Yeah, it's a big picture question. And it goes to this. I mean, when you take the, the nexus of the fact that they knew that these drugs were not only ineffective, but were were dangerous. And the fact that they pushed them at a level un, you know, heretofore unseen with any any sort of vaccine prior to this, it almost points to a genocidal motive. I mean, or a reckless beyond belief, a reckless disregard for human life. Um, but that being said, you know, there's you mentioned this fact checker having jumped on this. You know, do you think we'll ever be able to identify or what do you think? It, there, there's such coordination and it's so it's so it's so fast and it's so like, you know, it's also at a granular level often like, you know, your your article, which is not I mean, you're not a massive national. I mean, your national publication, but it's not like your reach of, say, the largest publications where everyone would see it like somebody who's monitoring that. Who do you think is coordinating this behind the scenes? There has to be some larger, uh, you know, directing people, in other words, giving them the marching orders. I mean, I can't believe these people are just of their own accord jumping on stuff like this and doing this kind of stuff. Do you think there's like really a shadow uh, or is there an agency that actually just exists and we just don't know that they're doing this? Well, I, I certainly believe, Tyler, that, um, you know, big farmers and uh, they have been very active with uh, silencing and censoring and pushing uh, big tech to silence and censor anyone who uh, puts out anything that questions their authority. So we know that uh, Alex Berenson put up a post yesterday where he has proof now of one of the Pfizer executives uh, targeting his account on Twitter specifically. So we know this has happened. Um, and uh, uh, I, as far as you know, this certain instance, I know the fact-checking group lead stories that uh, fact-checked our story. They um, they have ties to uh, communist China, so I don't. Oh know. God! That, but, uh, wow! You know, it is. It's just very interesting, and I think more and more and more people are catching on. We're just being lied to, and uh, it and and it, uh, it in so many different ways at so many different levels. And I think it breeds, uh, you know, a lot of mistrust and a lot of conspiracies because people don't know what the truth is anymore. Yes, indeed. And then, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, go ahead, Lee. No, I was going to say another topic that I think the Democrats are really in denial about. I've seen a recent poll, a mainstream media poll. The number two issue for people is education and children. And I think this has to do with the sex education stuff that the Democrats are pushing at school boards. So, Jim, are you seeing a lot of reader interest in that issue? And do you think the Democrats are so clearly on a different side than most voters that's going to cost them in November? Jim Oft? Great, great question, Lee. You know what's interesting is I've seen some polling that says uh, education is a big issue for voters. And then it, it will go over and you'll see that, uh, but Democrats winning this issue by seven points. I don't understand that at all. Um, I think a lot of people, their most energy uh, behind the education issue is exactly what you said, Lee. It's people who are frustrated to see um, uh, that there, there's actual porn books in the library. 
that are not just, uh, you know, uh, uh, where you read a story, but actual picture books. I mean, uh, that's happened. Uh, people are finding these same books in, in a lot of libraries around the, the country for elementary and high school age kids. It's, it's, a, it's a sick thing. And um, people are speaking out about it. The, the mainstream media, of course, and uh, the, the Democrats want to hide this issue and pretend like um, people want to burn books. Remember what they said about Ron DeSantis? He wanted to burn books because he wanted to <laughs> porn books out of the classroom. So I think they lose on this issue. I think there's a lot of energy behind, you know, the 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 the, the uh, trans, uh, you know, movement on children, the uh, drag queens for for children, all these things. Um, you know, I'm an adult. I've been to drag shows. I don't think it's anything you want to bring a child to. Um, I can't believe that they're pushing this like it's such a wonderful experience for children. Every drag show I ever went to, they were talking filth. So, um, oh, yeah. As an adult, so it's just you know I think I think the Democrats are in. I don't think they're winning this issue. I think people really that kind of stuff out of the schools. Well, I would uh, if I may jump in here. I, you know, I think you said it was plus seven. What would what were the numbers prior to prior to this time? I mean, they might have been winning. Maybe it's it's. They're still ahead on the issue, but not as much as they might may have been before. Where I think they it was perceived as a Democrat issue. That being said, um, I have a question. Actually, uh, Patrick Byrne was recently interviewed um, on Infowars with Harrison Smith, and he uh, floated this idea, which I've you know seen before and uh, floated, of Donald Trump becoming Speaker of the House. And I don't know if you've heard anything or, uh, you know, have thought about the issue. Uh, to me, it seems like a brilliant move if it could be done. First of all, you would knock out Kevin McCarthy as, you know, the the Paul Ryan in waiting. I, I just don't I have no trust for, for him whatsoever. But the what Trump could accomplish in that role would be astonishing. I mean, it would it would solve so many issues. It would put him right in the center as a sort of a gathering force. And, you know, it would I think it would be right up his alley. I'm sure he's he's. Uh, Patrick said that the word he was getting, at least indirectly from Trump, was that it, he Trump considered it a step down, um, and that's probably why he might be resistant to it. But I, I just want you to get your comment on the you know the idea generally, and, and whether you'd heard anything yourself. Well, I think we all yeah. would like to see uh, Nancy Pelosi hand the gavel over to Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> that'd be great. That would, yes, that'd be beautiful. That'd be. <laughs> And have him sit I behind she, Biden it, <laughs> during it, the State it, of the I Union. I think it would be the first time that we'd see the gavel handed over by someone throwing it overhand. <laughs> She'd probably leave town before she had to do that. Oh, gosh, yeah. She wouldn't show up. Um, no, she wouldn't have her camera crew with her like she uh, she did on January 6th. That was, oh, my God. Yeah. Camera crew. Uh, no. yeah, that's nothing, nothing suspicious there. No, no, no. Yeah, there was no planning there. I would love to see Trump as Speaker of the House. I think it would be ideal. I'm in the camp that I think there's um, we're, we're at a, a crossroads and we're going to lose the country unless some people stand up and act. I agree with you. Kevin McCarthy is not the person for this time. You know, uh, there is just too many emergencies that need to be taken care of. I think when Republicans, if and when Republicans take over the House, in uh, 2023, um, they have some major issues with the economy that could be in front of them. Uh, we're seeing what's happening in Europe right now. We're seeing what's happening in the UK. 
that could spread to the U.S. Uh, we could be a few months behind them. Very serious issues with the economy. I think also when you look at the fact that there's they're arresting uh, their political opposition, they're putting them in jail. There's 900 people who were arrested after January 6th. Um, seven, 800 of them were people who were waved into the Capitol, walked around and left when they were told to. Um, and they've arrested these people and ruined their lives. I think that's a very, very serious issue in our country. I think uh, these, these other prisoners who are facing these, these courts in the District of Columbia, where the juries are getting, uh, condemning them on every charge within five minutes, uh, you know, uh, it, it's very troubling. Um, the, the judicial system, certainly, um, the, 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 you know, for a Republican to be in court in D.C. is you just you just figure you're going to be in, in jail for uh, 10 or 20 years. It's so corrupt. Something has to happen. And I think most of us want to see some of these criminals actually spend time, the real criminals, the ones who knew that they were spying on Trump when they didn't have the evidence, the ones who lied to start an investigation. The Mueller's, the uh, Weissman, you know, Jim Comey, all of their lies and what they've done to this country has been horrible. Hillary Clinton, how come she's still walking around when we know about her crimes, and yet they're still trying to make tr crimes on Donald Trump? The fact that they're raiding people's homes, Christians, um, there's just very serious issues. So I, I, I hope Republicans are up for the job. If it's Kevin McCarthy, it's not going to happen. And I believe things will only get worse. And I Not believe totally a strong agree, speaker yeah. of the house, a strong Republican speaker of the house, pick one, Trump or let's say DeSantis, or you know, a strong speaker of the house combined with a strong GOP president is the only way. Just as GOP president is not going to be enough, and just as GOP president with a weak Republican like Kevin McCarthy. I don't think it's going to be accomplished much in 2024. What say you, Jim Hoff? Uh, I agree with you 100 percent, Lee. I think that's 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 a uh, that's great. I think, uh, yeah, we need we need strong leadership right now. There's a lot of things that are out of whack that need to be. That's why Trump was so good. You know, he was an interrupter. He came in and he, uh, you know, interrupted everything they had planned and all their 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 grand scheme of what they wanted to do to us. And uh, so we need some people like that to right the ship, to make things uh, free and fair again, or, you know, we're going we're gonna to lose our, our country, and that will be a very sad thing for our children and grandchildren. And yes, let me say I think what, and one thing Trump did was force them all out into the open, which is essential because these people, we have a metastatic malignancy in the FBI and all these agencies, and, and frankly, in federal judges, and it's, it's the reach of it is is frightening. I mean, the level of, like you said, in, in D.C., no Republican can expect to get a fair trial, an impartial jury, and anything but a conviction and a serious sentence. And that is, I mean, this is the last stop on the road to total tyranny, is the, the corruption of the, the judicial branch and the ability for people to have a, a final redoubt uh, for justice. Amen. J Jim Hoff, what say you? Yeah. I, I think that's great. Um, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, the, the ship will be righted in 2023. But, um, uh, as far as a leader to take over the house of representatives, um, I'm pretty certain it's not going to be Kevin McCarthy. I did. I, I, I like Jim Jordan. Um, but it's going to, it's going to, it's going to have to be somebody with, uh, you know, 
some grit and guts. And uh, so I, I hope Republicans are up for it. But, you know, they, they've, they've disappointed us so many times. I hope, um, you know, we need a new Republican Party, one that isn't such a bunch of pantyways, but actually people who are, who are willing to stand up and fight and not worry about uh, the headlines in the New York Times. And Jim, are you Amen. optimistic that we may get that Republican Party with these next congressional elections? I'm seeing people like Kerry Lake and these new candidates that are running are not of the Kevin McCarthy, Paul Ryan stripe. They're of the, I'll call it the Tea Party stripe, because a lot of this really does go back to the Tea Party. What say you, Jim? Yeah, I think you're right, Lee. It's the Tea Party was a, a movement of the people. And I think when you look at a Carrie Lake and everybody's bringing up her name now, I just think she's phenomenal. And um, uh, I hope she has a, a, a long future ahead of her. Um, I am concerned about, uh, you know, the fraud, the, the potential for fraud. I think the fact that this, uh, this opponent of hers is hiding and won't debate and is hiding in her basement worries me, actually. Because, um, you know, it's, it's, the, the Democrats should be in a panic when they have candidates like that. And today, for some reason, they're not. So that concerns me. But I, I, I think you're, you're rightly. Um, we need some more people like the Kerry Lakes, the, uh, the um, uh, Blake Masters, the, uh, the, the gentleman from Nevada. The, uh, I, I like Herschel Walker, you know. I think he's better than this, uh, this, this Reverend Wright radical he's running against. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, I think you're right. We need some people who are going to stir some things up. And one of the things that I think that we would uh, have would, would for the first time would be within the new majority would be a majority of patriots. And I think that's been the problem in the past is that the rhinos slightly edged out the, the Tea Party elements. I think now with this new crop coming in, you're going to see that the majority of the new majority are the patriots, and that's going to be the critical change that will uh, drag everyone along in the direction of radical action to smash this uh, subversive element that is metastasized throughout, um, you know, that, that basically is destroying our country. No, I agree. And Rod and I were talking earlier in Pennsylvania, this guy Fetterman, look, I'm a guy who's had half, half a dozen strokes, but he's a mess, and Fetterman is going <laughs> to lose. And the Democrats are real inept at even, aside from the economy and war, they're inept at even running candidates now. So, Jim Hoff, thanks so much. And Tyler Nixon, great appearance, great co-hosting. And we'll see you next Monday on The Backstory.